Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Earth 2 podcast, your weekly exploration of the pre-crisis DC multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This week we are reading from issue 208 of World's Finest Comics, published on the 19th of October 1971, a mere 10 days after John Lennon's 31st birthday. There you go. I've been accused of showing too much favouritism towards Paul McCartney, so... When does Ringo get a look in? His birthday's in July, I think. Okay. Listen out for Ringo's birthday, folks. Yeah, listen out for that next year. George is a Pisces, so he's, what, February, March, something like that? I can't remember. <laughs> right. But, hey, listeners, also, just wait for, as we chart the real-time lives of the members of menswear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already preparing. Anyway, Peter's going to tell you about the cover, which is the 31st cover done by Neil Adams that we've covered, if you pardon the repetition, and it's an absolute beauty. It most certainly is. It's stunning. It's ridiculous as well. At the very top, we're still in that strange period where there's not a proper DC logo. Instead, you have Superman in a circle, bursting a chain, just showing off, if you ask me. And underneath that is a wee logo that says DC World's Finest. Or is he referencing issue 233 of Superman? He could be, but it, does, it doesn't look like it's green, that chain. Can't well, really tell. It's very small. It's very small. Anyway. Anyway, it's not impressive. There's the World's Finest banner at the top. Mm. In the other corner it says, 48 pages, only 25 cents. So yes, it's another chunky issue. Mm-hmm. And we have the main image on the cover, which is the Earth and Earth with strange machinery attached to it like it's like a harness chain yes. type combination thing yes and it's all over the world it looks as if it's in straddling america and africa there i yeah. would say yes Part heading up to north america europe and then well. into europe yep and at the very front of this pulling pulling the earth is a straining man of steel. Mm. Yeah, Superman has got oh, he's he's basically putting all his efforts, all his efforts into pulling the Earth, guiding him on this difficult task is the figure of Doctor Fate. And you know what? I've owned this comic for what God thirty years, and mm-hmm. I just realised for the first time that Fate is actually standing on the harness. He is. Yes. I've never noticed that before. Adding to the weight. I don't know, Kent. <laughs> it's not very nice. And we have the story title at the side, which is Peril of the Planet Smashers. And at the very bottom, we have Plus, Two Golden Age Thrillers, Robot Man and The Ghost Patrol. Yes, because this is the glorious 52-page, don't take less, era, to use a modern parley, the main story is backed up by a couple of reprints. And the Ghost Patrol story is from issue 96 of Flash Comics, and the Robot Man story is... Nice little recap of his origin, and that's Mm -hmm. from issue 138 of Detective Comics. Excellent. This cover's amazing. This is one of the ones that I've seen the original art for in new life at the the Dawn of the Superheroes exhibition when it was in London a few years ago. So I'll post a photograph of that on the socials, listeners. Don't you worry. It'd be nice to see it without all the the lettering and stuff over the top of it. Yeah. And just because... It reminds me, the, the equipment that Superman's hooked up to, it reminds me of the sort of harness, sort of support stuff that Magneto was wearing when mm-hmm. Neil Adams drew the X-Men briefly that time. Yeah, It's fascinating, and I really hope it's one of these covers that actually does relate to something that takes part in the story and is not just a cheat to entice the reader. There's only one way to find There's out. There's only one way to find out, indeed. So we shall jump straight in. Our opening splash page. Oh, well, the, it echoes the cover, but rather than, <laughs> rather than a big fancy harness with you know with, I mean, that looks like you know coiled and properly manufactured attached to earth we see an image of superman pulling at chains which are all attached to earth really chiefly it seems across north america there's a lot of captioning peter will read you through it here they are together again for the first time the mighty man of tomorrow superman and the mystical master of magic dr fate Are the powers of the past and future strong enough to change the face of the earth before it turns into a seething inferno? Will this world's finest team have enough time and power to stop the peril of of the the planet smashers? Only writer Len Wein, artist Dick Dillon and Joe Giella, and editor Julius Schwartz know for sure. Len Wein in the house. Yay. Superb. Now, Dr. Fate is also present in this opening splash image. He's sort of 
it's very symbolic rather than mm-hmm. literally it appears to be symbolic. We see his head is caved with his ears poking out the, the, the helmet, which is quite funny. And he's gesturing with his hands and still conjuring the magical lightning bolts that we've yes. seen him use throughout the Silver Age and the Bronze Age. Mm-hmm. The lightning bolts appear to be striking the earth. And Dr. Fate is saying, Pull, Superman, pull. The future of the world rests upon your shoulders. Gosh. This one's packed, listeners. This one's absolutely packed. So without any further ado, page one of the story. First panel is a caption that says, Night on the outskirts of witch-famed Salem at a moment of confrontation. It's very busy, first panel. There's a couple of policemen shining searchlights from the top of their police cars. We can see a few bad guys in the background. Look like young men hide behind a crate. Policemen are pointing their guns and someone's with them. Dr. Fate is with them. And the police sergeant is saying, and that's a problem, Doc. We've got those thugs pinned down, but they're threatening to use the stolen thermal ray to wipe out half the city if we don't let them escape. Typical. I'll see what I can do. And the caption for panel two. Moments later, an amazing apparition appears in the alley. Yes, Dr. Fate looms into view in front of two of the men. We get a better look at them. Very early 70s hairdos, big sideburns. One's got dark hair, one's got red hair. And the black-haired chap is holding a very futuristic-looking rifle. It's kind of red, very odd design. Dr. Fate says, Discard that weapon, felon. Your cause is lost. And the dark-haired bad guy exclaims, What? Dr. Fate? And his red-haired friend says to Dr. Fate, We warned what had happened if anyone tried to stop us. This Berg has had it. Dr. Fate gestures in panel three, saying, I think not. A bit of golden magic flies from his finger, strikes one of the weapons. The bad guy says, Huh? The trigger's disappeared. I can't fire this gizmo. Dr. Fate gestures again in the next panel, saying, The weapons of mere science are no match for eldritch forces, villain. Yes, there's a blast from Dr. Fate's index finger again at the weapon, and we see the weapon is stretching out, splitting into three, and attaching itself to the wrists of the three bad guys, as the guy who had the gun says, Turn the blasted thing into handcuffs! And a slow dissolve. Then, after a magical reconstruction job... In the background, we see the bad guys being led off by a policeman. Dr. Fate has returned the futuristic-looking weapon to its original shape, and he's handing it to one of the police officers, saying... The thermal ray, officer. You'd do well to take better care of it in the... But he's interrupted by a... Beep, beep... ...sound effect, and Dr. Fate thinks... An emergency call from the hospital. And he takes to the sky in the next episode, flying off as he says... Forgive me, officer, but duty calls. And he thinks... And Dr. Kent Nelson must answer. And we arrive at the top of page three. First caption there says... Born in unearthly winds, the mystic mage quickly reaches the Weatherby Free Clinic. Yes, we see helpfully the phrase Weatherby Free Clinic on the front of the hospital building. Mm-hmm. Bit of repetition there. He could have just said the hospital, I don't know. As Dr. Fate flies towards the building, he thinks... The hospital wouldn't have called me on the pocket buzzer unless it were vitally important. I left clear instructions on that. And the caption for panel two. In moments, the wonder wizard is gone, and in his place appears one of the nation's top surgeons. Yes, we see Kent Nelson in his civvies wearing a smart pair of blue trousers. Pink and black striped shirt. Well, it's more of a, mm-hmm. a, a, a deep burgundy. sort of burgundy, reddish, mm-hmm. pinkish sort of colour. Striped shirts are obviously in fashion. This reference to him being one of the nation's top surgeons is obviously a reference to what they did in the golden age was the later part yes. of his career mm-hmm. we haven't had that reference yet since he came back no i don't believe so that's no. very interesting mm-hmm. anyway he's marching in to this room in the hospital and he's saying you called nurse jennings a very attractive dark-haired nurse replies dr nelson i we've been trying to your patient i mean well he it needs an operation i think that is never mind nurse i'll see for myself in the caption for panel three and when Kent Nelson sees what is on the operating table... Yes, a couple of concerned other medical faces in the background is Kent, who's all scrubbed up now in this panel. He looks very surprised as he lifts a blanket that's covering the patient and he exclaims, This? This is my patient? Where? How? And we pull out to a wider shot in panel four. How do I operate on an alien? What can... And we see his patient as he pulls the blanket back. Now, it reminds me very much of one of the bulbous-headed aliens from the Star Trek story, The Cage. Mm, yeah, Menagerie, you know, mm-hmm. Large domed forehead. It almost looks like his skin is made up of blue scales. His ears are very, very low down in, in his head. Thick eyebrows, stunted nose, wide mouth. Very unusual. And the alien seems to be saying, Doomed! Earth is doomed! Doomed! 
And Kent exclaims, Great stars, did you hear what it said? And another male doctor, standing behind Kent, says, Said? But doctor, that, that thing hasn't said anything. And in close-up in front of the panel with moody lighting, Kent Nelson thinks, What? Then it was telepathy, which I alone heard. I must save the alien's life. If his secret dies with him, Earth may follow. Gosh, high stakes. Now, another slow dissolve as we arrive at the top of page four. From a moment of crisis to a moment of repose, as a familiar blue and crimson crusader sits in silence and tries to collect his thoughts. Yes, this is a very charming image of Superman <laughs> basically sat perched on an orbital satellite. Yes. This is lovely. It's the sort of thing I can imagine Adam Hughes doing a, a variant for, featuring <laughs> Supergirl or Powergirl. Soups is deep in thought. So, you're not so super after all, are you, hero? Magic can still knock you off your feet. And a little asterisk tells us... A reference to Superman's death by magic in the previous issue. Issue 207, which was that Hawkman? We haven't done it. Listeners, you can go and find out. Don't panic. Soups continues to think to himself, And as long as you're vulnerable to sorcery, you'll never truly be a Superman. But what if there was some way to overcome that? A way to prevent magic from ever affecting me again? He takes flight. And then panel 3. I should have thought of that before. Wherever there is a cause, there must be a cure. And I know just the person to help me find it. And a slow dissolve, capture for panel four. Instants later, as the action ace streaks across arid desert wastes. Yeah, cracking shot of him flying here. There's a big green and yellow cloud in front of him, which he obviously notices himself as he thinks, that's odd, a radioactive dust cloud. You don't see many of those anymore. Must be an escapee from a red Chinese underground test. Wow. No telling where it'll spread if I leave it alone. Then in the next panel, there's a massive whoosh as the Man of Steel inhales, thinking, a little super vacuum breath and presto, no more cloud. He looks a little concerned in the final panel of page four as he thinks, swell, now that I've got the gas, what do I do with it? There's no safe place on Earth to dump it. But there is some place out of this world. And we're back out in space for the first panel of page five. Next instant, a human rocket blazes a path across the star-speckled sky, hurtling towards the flaming golden orb we mortals call... The Sun, thinks Superman. The radiation will have no effect on the far stronger energies produced here. And we see him exhaling the cloud into the sun. Fantastic. Now, I wonder if this cloud is going to be relevant later on. We'll see. Panel 2, he's flying back towards Earth, and he thinks... Now, as I recall, I was on my way to see a magician about a vulnerability and a slow dissolve, caption for panel 3 of page 5. Shortly, the Man of Steel attends a rehearsal of the Princess of Prestidigitation, <laughs> Zatanna. Yes, Zatanna. Oh, well, it's nice to see her, isn't it? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Zatanna's lifting an elephant up into the air. Elephant has a nice little outfit on, <laughs> as she says to Superman. I wish I could help you, Superman, but I don't know how to make you immune to magic. How about your father, Zatara? Perhaps he could. I'm afraid not. He warned me that to know how our powers work would cause them to stop working. And then Zatanna gestures and says, Anafle emukreb silfretub. And an asterisk takes us to a caption which says, Read Zatanna's magic words backwards, editor. And if we read Zatanna's magic words backwards, we see what she's done in this panel, because her words read, Elephant become butterflies. She's turned the elephant into butterflies, that's horrible! Yeah. Poor elephant! <laughs> Hope she changes him back, or her back. Mm, mm-hmm. Anyway, Superman looks a little downcast and says, Well, it was a good idea while it lasted. That's the spirit, Man of Steel. Good grief, come on. We arrive at the top of page six. But once outside in the dusty grey air... Yes, we see Superman leaving the theatre. We can see Zatanna's poster behind. Now showing Zatanna, made of magic. A nice little cameo there. Yes. Yeah, so I, I wonder if we'll see her any time soon in the podcast. Mm, mm, who can say? Superman... Punches his palm and thinks, Wait a minute! Just because Zatanna can't help me is no reason to give up. There's another magician who might be of help. One whose knowledge is older than Earth itself. There are worlds within worlds and infinite worlds beyond. So it is that Superman passes from one plane of existence into the next. From his Earth into the parallel planet of Earth 2, home of the legendary Justice Society of America. Excellent panel of soups traversing the dimensional void. It looks quite unlike anything we've had before. There's like a big gash in space with some mm, other bright mm-hmm. lights sort of circling around. Very, very effective. We'll see if we can fit it into the socials because it's a packed issue. 
but that's brilliant. The captioning continues. And it's Mystic Medico. Reminding us, of course, that Earth 2 is the home of Dr. Fate. Now, Superman is obviously arriving at the Weatherby Medical Centre. We can see him using his X-ray vision on the building as he thinks, Dr. Fate is at the hospital. As I see by my trusty supervision, will he be surprised to see me? Not half a surprise as you soon will be, Superman. Yes, Superman flies in the open hospital window, arrives with Kent Nelson, who shushes him as Superman says, Evening, Doc, it's good to see. Shh, you upset the patients. And this is one patient I can't afford to lose. He's still with the blue-skinned, scaled alien. Superman walks up behind Kent and whispers, An alien? What is this anyway? I came here to... Sometimes the fates are kind, Superman. Your unexpected presence may tip the scales to our side. Come, I have a private place where I can explain. Tiny caption says, continuing the second page following, we pass a full page advertisement for the Wayne School, helping you to finish high school at home, which is all very admirable. And as we arrive at the top of page seven, oh, good, good, good. The first caption there says, On the crest of a windswept crag that borders Old Salem stands a strange stone tower, its rough-hewn walls devoid of doors or windows, the sanctuary of Dr. Fate. Yes, magnificent image of the tower, lightning striking all around. I'm loving having Len Wein in charge. Yay. It's great. I mm-hmm. love Len Wein. It was so sad when he died. But anyway, panel two is captioned. And inside this bizarre refuge, two equally exotic figures stand and consider a third. The alien is stretched out on a tabletop, still surrounded by its blanket. Superman is there. Kent is in his Doctor Fate uniform and he's putting his helmet on. Kind of the opposite of what we got in the Black Adam movie every two seconds. <laughs> Pete and I are recording this the day after the announcement of James Gunn's initial plans for the DC movies and such like. And we yes. haven't yet had a conversation about it, although no. I think we have slightly, slightly different opinions going we are. by Peter's response to my Facebook comment, <laughs> my Facebook post last night. So we'll see how that plays out in real life afterwards. Stay yes. tuned, listeners. We might share our thoughts. We might not. <laughs> anyway, as Kent puts on Dr. Fate's helmet, he says, No one shall notice our absence. I cast a spell over the hospital to erase the memory of our presence there. Here in my tower, we can perform our task unbothered. In panel three, with a helmet on, Dr. Fate continues. Contrary to my oath, I was obliged to use magic to save the alien's life. He must be kept alive till I discover the meaning of his telepathic warning. That's almost like that line from Earthshock. Ah, okay. But the doctor must be taken alive. He must suffer for our past defeats. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. That's just an aside. (laughs) They look down at the alien as Superman says in the next panel. Any idea who he is, where he comes from? According to reports, he was sitting in the air over the city. A low-flying plane didn't see him in time and clipped him with a wing. As to who he is, I pray my sacred crystal can supply the answer. Yes, we see a glowing orb on a surface. A little pedestal-mounted glowing orb. Dr. Fate brings it over towards the alien in the next panel, saying, The mind is a corridor with many doors, Superman. With luck, my crystal will locate the key to open the correct one. For locked in the hidden passageways of this alien psyche is a secret that threatens to doom us all. Gosh! Dr. Fate gestures in the first panel of page 8, creating a large rectangular shape with a lovely psychedelic pattern playing Mm -hmm. out over it. As the, the golden orb, the sacred crystal he mentioned in the previous page, casts a glow over the alien. As he gestures... Fate says, Whatever fragments of thought the crystal perceives will be projected upon this ectoplasmic screen. Let's hope your telepathic television gets better ratings than the real thing, observes Superman. That's very funny. Caption for panel two, page eight. For long moments there is nothing. Then, slowly, hazily, mental images blur into view. It's very clear images on the screen. Dr. Fate's obviously got a really good reception or his Wi-Fi cabling is very strong or something. Superman observes... Say, I recognise those places. One's Stonehenge, the mysterious prehistoric monument in England. And the other is a Mayan temple deep in the Yucatan jungle. But what do these landmarks have to do with... Ah! The alien exclaims, interrupting them. Superman notices the screen blanking out. The mental strain was too much for the alien's weakened condition. Brilliant shot of Dr. Fate's helmet whirling around there. (laughs) (laughs) Whoosh, that's terrific. Oh, he doesn't get whiplash, Superman says then our only hope of discovering the image's meaning is to head for those sites and find out for ourselves. A spell of suspension will protect the alien till our return. The doctor gestures, a golden glow surrounds the alien, and then the final panel of page 8, this is joyous. Superman and Doctor Fate leaving the tower by flying through the wall. 
Yay. Well, I don't mean breaking out, but just mm -hmm. like phasing through it, Kitty Pride style. Yeah. Amazing. I love this. Lightning still rending the sky in the background as Superman says, if we return, anything powerful enough to doom the entire planet could be bigger than the both of us. If so, we'll have to perish in the trying. Hopefully we'll rendezvous here after we've completed our mission successfully. Oh, they're splitting up. I was looking forward to 20 pages of solid Superman Doctor Fate action. That's disappointing. They're forming into two teams of one. Yes. Stop, let's not team up, <laughs> you might say. First panel then of page nine is captioned. Becoming one with the very air, the stellar sorcerer swiftly spans the miles between Salem and the Yucatan jungle. Yes, we see Dr. Fate in silhouette arriving at the temple as he thinks. How well I know this place. Has it been years or merely moments since last I fought my old four mayor upon this very site? As Dr. Fate draws closer in panel two, a caption says, But the mystic mage's reverie is quickly shattered when he observes... Helpfully, Dr. Fate thinks... Another alien sitting in the yoga lotus position. Don't know what he's concentrating on, but I'd better find out. Yes, indeed, it is another alien, but he's wearing a sort of purple robe, mm -hmm. purple hoods up over the top of his head, and he looks like he's basically doing yogic flying in midair. It's very, yes. very funny. How 1992. In panel three, Dr. Fate... Hovers behind the creature and says, Hold, alien. Dr. Fate would have a word with you. And then the caption for the next panel. Slowly, the extraterrestrial raises his head. Heavy lids slide back to reveal a pair of fiercely glowing eyes which scrutinise the master magician with a look that is not nearly so much anger as annoyance. Yes, the creature's eyes flare. And the caption for the final panel says, The next instant. Yes, and we see, well, Dr. Fate tells us what's happening as he thinks. Ah, a jungle creeper vine reached up, grabbed me, yanking me downward. This is the alien's answer. Attack! Yes, in the first panel of page 10, we see the creeper coiling around Dr. Fate's torso, around his arms, around his legs, pulling him down as he thinks. More of them clutching at me. Hope my magic can fight them off. He gestures again and encouraged by the fact that it's still another magic lightning bolt yes and panel two uh oh there's like a giant it's a triffids yeah that's yeah, what it looks like isn't it basically <laughs> a giant flower with an open i don't know i'm not enough of a botanist to know what you call it but it's <laughs> a big open sort of funnel almost dr fate is down on the ground it looks like he's been dragged towards this thing is it like a giant venus flytrap mm. type situation mm -hmm. i'm not sure dr fate is still firing out magic lightning bolts as he thinks my ectoplasmic blasts are doubling the danger for every vine I destroy, two more spring up to take its place. Still struggling, the Wonder Wizard is pulled downward until, deep in the thick of the overpowering underbrush... Now, again, my lack of botany terminology awareness is defeating me here, but basically the sort of bell flower type shape seems to be, well, helpfully, Dr. Fate, who's now completely secured in the ground by creepers, thinks... That orchid emitting clouds of noxious gas... My one weakness, filling my lungs, my eyes, my very soul. Oh my goodness, right. These panels are tremendous, but mm -hmm. I think the one that I'm going to post on Instagram from this page is the final panel of page 10, which shows Dr. Fate being lifted up by the, the creepers, as the captioning says. Then the limp form of Dr. Fate is borne towards the gaping open maw of a huge Venus flytrap, towards the hungry jaws of crunching death. Fantastic! Is this the first... Golden Age superhero being threatened by a Venus flytrap that we've had on the podcast? Uh, yes, I would say so. Oh. <laughs> Venus flytraps, listeners, if you like Peter and I, your British children of the 70s, Venus flytraps were things that you probably expected to encounter a lot more often than you actually have alongside yes. like quicksand mm. and the Loch Ness Monster yeah. and, you know, things like that and electrical power stations and stuff. Yes, you know? and dark water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway... Man, I love page 11, the caption for the first panel. The blue and golden form is pitched into the aperture, and for the moment, the jungle seems to rest. Dr. Fate's getting eaten by a Venus flytrap. Come on. <laughs> this podcast, we don't charge you for this podcast. This is great. Go and buy a copy of this story. Go and buy the hardback reprint from a couple of years ago. This is amazing. Captioning continues in panel two. But only for a moment, for something happens to the man-devouring plant. Something strange... And savage. The flytrap begins to swell into a bulging balloon that expands larger and larger. And we get some more Say What You See captioning in panel 3 of page 11 as... 
Until at last, unable to stretch any farther, it bursts, sending Dr. Fate hurtling skyward. Yes, burst of energy as Dr. Fate basically wrecks the poor Venus flytrap and emerges. He flies back towards the alien, crying, Now I have a debt to settle, and questions that cry for an answer. And have those answers I shall, one way or another. The alien's eyes flare again as it sees Fate flying towards him, says, Pretentious Earthman! You have naught but the wind that sifts through your fingers. My task here is done. I take my leave, he says in the final panel as he fades out. Dr. Fate gestures a giant magical hand, which is glorious to try and catch him, but... He's fading away out of my magical grasp. And the caption runs out page 11 saying... As Dr. Fate finds himself alone, a cool breeze whistles by, seemingly mocking him. Gosh, well, we arrive at the top of page 12 now. And as one mission ends in failure, let us backtrack in time to focus on an all-too-familiar blur against the dusky indigo sky. Dusky indigo supported menswear at the Leeds cockpit in 1995. No, they didn't. Superman is hurtling through the sky in panel one here as he thinks, It's the story of my life. Story of my life was the name of the B-side to Rhythm of the Rain by Jason Donovan. I travel all this way. I don't even get a chance to tell Dr. Fate my reason for coming here. Superman has arrived at his destination in panel two, as a caption tells us. Stonehenge. In times past, shadows ruled here. Unholy men of mystery known as druids. Now, the tall granite pillars lie in ruins, serving merely as a magnet for curious tourists. Have you ever been to Stonehenge? Uh, No. Me neither. Anyway, we can see another one of the aliens sat hovering amongst the stones. Soups has arrived, spots him and thinks, I'm not sure what I'm looking for, but something tells me I've found it. And that, this alien looks so it's asleep, actually. Caption for panel three. Cautiously, the Man of Steel approaches the floating alien and... Yeah, as he gets closer, Clark thinks, seems in a trance. Perhaps if I nudge him. But as the action ace makes his move... Yeah, we then have some more say-what-you-see thought dialogue from Superman as... Huh? A gigantic sandy hand squeezing me! Yes, it's almost as though the Marvel Sandman has appeared. The dust has all gathered into the form of a fist and has grabbed Superman very awkwardly around his torso and between his legs. That cannot be comfortable. As we arrive on page 13, the sand on the ground continues to rise up and takes a greater form. It looks like a giant sort of... I want to say a Viking, but it's mm-hmm. not got. A th- it doesn't have a horned helmet, but it's that oh, sort of don't. big, tall, buff guy in a harness with a thick beard. Still got a good hold of Superman, as Superman thinks a colossus created from terrain below. I wonder if it's that sky-sitting weirdo's way of keeping me from disturbing his siesta. Superman gets a punch in in the next panel with a quump, and he thinks, "Well, it'll take more than an overgrown sand sculpture to keep me at bay." But his fist just seems to be absorbed into the thing. Doesn't seem to create any impact. Indeed, in panel three, we see he's created a hole. And Soups observes, or will it? The sand is rearranging itself, filling in the hole I punched out. Okay. I'm noticing there's a slight disconnect between what Dick Dillon draws versus to what we actually <laughs> see sometimes, mm, you know. Yeah. Again, memories of that Minotaur, mm-hmm. in inverted commas, we met before Christmas. In the first panel of page 14, the giant sand warrior is lifting Superman up in both hands as Superman thinks, maybe I shouldn't have hit him. All it's done is make him mad, using his unearthly strength to try and break me in half. And it does look as if the creature's trying to twist him. Superman, in the next panel, is doing his best to break free as he thinks, I can't pry his fingers loose. The pressure of this animated sandbox has got me glassy-eyed. That's it. The magic words. In panel three, there's a burst of radiant red energy from Superman's eyes as he thinks, Eyes to supply heat vision, which, with a bit of atmospheric moisture, turns sand into glass. And sure enough, we see that the creature's almost turned silver, because all the sand is fused. There's a massive quack sound effect as Superman punches the creature and it shatters, and his thought bubble continues, a lot easier to deal with than shifting sand. That's very, very effective. I think one of these panels might make it onto the socials from this sequence. Anyway, first panel of page 15 Superman returns his attention to the hovering alien as he thinks, Now I'm mad. The least that pie-eyed alien could do while trying to get me killed is be interested enough to watch. <laughs> Flies closer to it in panel two, thinking, But he just sits there, like some mummy wrapped up in his thoughts. It's time I got some answers. And the caption for panel three says, 
But as the action ace closes on the alien... Yeah, the creature holds up a hand and says, Halt, Earthman! Move no closer! I will not have my person soiled by your touch! And it's almost like Superman's being repelled. Supes thinks, ah, he's surrounded himself with an invisible shield. Well, at least he's now given me his personal attention. But as the Man of Steel struggles desperately to penetrate the unseen barrier... Yeah, the alien pulls the same trick that the one Dr. Fate encountered. Grows translucent as Superman thinks, he's fading away. Can't see him anymore. But I seem to hear his laughter drifting back at me. In the foreground of the final panel of page 15, we see the shattered remains of the big sand statue man. Superman flies off thinking, I might as well head back to Salem and hope Dr. Fate made out better than I did. Final caption for page 15 reads, As the action ace vanishes into the distance, the ground behind him begins to tremble, playing a crystal dirge. And we arrive, top of page 16 now, where the first caption says, But the high-flying Dr. Fate hears a sorely different tune. Yeah, Dr. Fate's flying over the ocean, it seems at this point, waves roaring up all around him as he thinks. Tremendous tidal waves, apparently the product of some underground eruption. It's fortunate there are no coastal cities in their path. Caption for panel two. Yet, as the Wonder Wizard follows the rippling swells... Yes, he sees, well, that there's still... There might not be any cities, but there are still some people living as he looks down at some buildings and thinks... Incredible. Yonder village should be miles to the south, but that's a point which will soon be academic. In mere moments, a tidal wave will wash away the village. Panel three. Gosh, this is terrific. He gestures another big magical lightning bolt and he thinks... Only one hope to save the village. An ectoplasmic tidal wall. Yeah, and he... Obviously, he's created it out of the sand or something. The, the waves seem to break against it. And the, indeed, the captioning for final panel on page 16 confirms. With a roar like a thousand cannons, the mighty wave strikes the magical barrier. Yes, the village has been saved. Thankfully, Dr. Fate flies over thinking. It's holding, shakily, but enough to restrain the tide. Now, I must hasten back to Salem. If what I dread is true, I have precious little time. Page 17 is a bit of a montage situation. The caption at the top says, Similarly, the Man of Steel has found his return trip fraught with unexplained violence and threats of impending doom. Yes, we see a little montage of soups using a rock to cap a volcano to try and pull ground that's split an earthquake back together. We see buildings toppling as he rescues some children. Another caption says, But still they continue, these bizarre disasters of nature, as if the planet itself were rising up in open rebellion. Very interesting. Caption then for the final panel of page 17. Until at last, at the foot of Dr. Fate's eerie... Dr. Fate's standing outside the tower as Superman arrives. Superman lands and says, Sorry I'm late, some funny things happened to me on my way back from Stonehenge. And to me as well, Superman. There is evil afoot, so overwhelming that it threatens to tear the world asunder. And unless we discover its cause... Say no more, Dr. Fate. Moments later, inside the eerie tower, the Master of Magic solemnly studies a glowing crystal orb. Very classic Dr. Fate panelist. Light emanating from this golden globe that he's holding and casting brilliant shadows across his helmet. The globe is displaying an image of the Earth, Dr. Fate says. Observe. In some fantastic manner, the continents of Earth are moving, drawing ever closer and closer together. So that's the doom the alien warned about, but how? Why? That knowledge must lie deep within the alien subconscious. I must risk using my crystal once again to probe these hidden depths. Yes, they move towards the alien that's stretched out on the table, still at Dr. Fate's tower. Dr. Fate gestures again, and the big fancy widescreen psychedelic television reappears. Superman says, Careful, Dr. Fate. Your last probe almost proved fatal. The very atmosphere seems tense as mystic forces dig deeply into the alien psyche and pluck at memories. Yeah, we're showing an image of a very odd-looking castle that appears to be at the top of a set of cliffs. There's a flight of steps that appear to be carved out of the rock itself. Tall towers, very odd design. And from inside this bizarre blue structure, we hear a voice. Try and say this with a straight face, listeners. I am Guan Wu, one of the Budak. High Lamas of a star-spawned race that is older even than time and space. Presumably we're inside this weird castle in the final panel of page 18. And we see three of the purple-robed, blue-skinned aliens. And it looks like they're looking at a weird kind of star chart. Mm-hmm. Lots of yellow and orange and weird shapes. And one of the aliens is gesturing and saying, For untold eons we sought nirvana, the true liberation of the mind. And at last we have found the means. This insignificant planet 
third from the star-sun Sol, is orbiting into perfect cosmic junction. It is there we must go. First panel of page 19 again is showing what's on the Dr. Fate space television, and we see three of the aliens hovering above the Earth. The alien is saying, Through mystic science we discovered that smashing the landmasses of this planet into each other would create the ultimate energy. By being bathed in the energy outburst, the capabilities of our minds would be ours to control completely, tapping wells of powers too staggering to imagine. And while he's telling us that, we see an image of one of the aliens with his hands on his head and he's concentrating and it looks as though great chunks of the Earth's surface are flying up into the air. Very, very interesting. We're back with Dr. Fate and Superman here as the screen seems to have gone blank. Dr. Fate says, So that's it. Somehow those aliens' concentration has set in motion forces that have been latent in the Earth since its formation. The natural attraction of one mass for another. The question is, says Superman, what do we do to stop it? The time has come for confrontation, Superman. We must meet these planet smashers at the focal point of this oncoming catastrophe. The Lost Valley of Ur. And with that, Dr. Fate exits through the wall of the tower once again as Superman looks on very excitedly. We arrive at the top of page 20. Shortly. Superman and Dr. Fate are flying through the sky. Dr. Fate says, Superman, it was in this valley of Ur that Dr. Fate began his career. How ironic if he were to end it here. Gosh. Caption for panel two. Suddenly. Yes, they behold the three aliens who appear to be standing inside a red bubble, for want of a better way of putting it. There they are, Superman. And they've been joined by a third alien, the one from my tower. Yes, so we can see that it's the guy who had his hood up that fought Dr. Fate with the, the Venus flytrap and the guy that Soup's fought at Stonehenge and the other guy. They're all slight differentiations in the look. Superman seems to bounce into view here as he says, Doesn't improve our odds much, does it? Let's try a two-flank attack. Valiantly, the two crusaders charge, the sorcerer's globe, and... Superman just tries to punch it. Dr. Fate gestures with his magic and creates a sort of giant hammer and chisel, which is fascinating. Hmm. Superman says, we're really up against it. Not even making a dent in this sphere. Press harder, Superman. Hopefully it has a weak point. That might be wishful thinking on Dr. Fate's part, as in the next panel, both heroes appear to go flying. Superman says, that mystical glow, tossing us around like ragdolls. Can't resist it, says Dr. Fate, and indeed there's a little burst of orange energy that seems to have sent both of them flying. The final caption on page 20. Like leaves before the storm, the two heroes are driven downward into the shuddering earth. Yeah, they collide with the ground as Soup says, there must be a better way to handle this. We're accomplishing about as much as a pair of used balloons. Analogies aside, Superman, there is a way, but it will require putting both our lives in dire jeopardy. Now... A tiny caption tells us we're continued in the fifth page following. Wow, that's lots of pages. We pass the letters page for the issue. Mm -hmm. We pass an advertisement for Superman poster. We pass an advertisement for some kind of weird, useful scientific instrument. We pass some more letters, and as we arrive at the top of page 21, a caption says, As the stellar sorcerer stares at the empty space between his outstretched hands, there is a sudden shimmering light, and... Yes, the golden globe crystal that Dr. Fate was using earlier on has appeared. Fate confirms this, saying Using my enchanted crystal, I shall siphon my powers into you, Superman. The combination of my occult forces and your invulnerable body might be strong enough to succeed where singly, we failed. Next panel's cracking. The caption reads Solemnly, Dr. Fate closes his eyes and enters a trance of deepest concentration. His body glows as he unleashes a bolt of ethereal forces at the Man of Steel. Dr. Fate is surrounded by golden energy as he concentrates, and Superman is also now surrounded by a golden aura. As Dr. Fate's energy drawn towards him, the caption for panel three. And within instants... Superman takes to the air, surrounded by his ready break glow, as Dr. Fate gestures and thinks... Fly, Superman. Strike for the salvation of Earth, and I shall pray for your triumph. For unless my powers are returned to me soon, I... Two shall perish. Superman flies up towards the aliens in their bubble in the next panel, thinking, I hope Doc's plan works, because I'm simply itching to get my hands on these spooks. From inside the bubble, one of the aliens says, Terran, we will not brook any interference. And there's a weird bzzzt sound effect in the final panel. Superman's struck by a bolt of their energy. But Superman, helpfully, says, Hardly felt that. Great. Fate's scheme is panning out perfectly. And obviously... Dr. Fate's magic is working to protect Superman. It's brilliant. We arrive at the top of page 22. Superman flies up towards the aliens and all three of them are now gesturing and firing 
little beams of psychic energy at him. One of them says, Astounding! He is resisting our metaphysical attack. Quickly, we must pull our spiritual resources. The Terran must be eliminated. Superman cries. Hope you don't mind if I argue that point, friend. Once again, alien eyes glow fiercely and phantom fingers of deepest ebony leap across the void. Yeah, this is weird. The alien's energy is focused into a giant black hand which has grabbed Superman. Superman is thinking, my nemesis again. Black magic, the most dangerous of all. I can feel my resistance getting low. But then a sort of almost holographic image, a vision of Dr. Fate's helmet appears and says, Concentrate, Superman. Fill your mind with all the forces of honour and right you can muster. Concentrate. Caption for the next panel. What makes a man a hero? Is it powers beyond those of mortal men? Or is it something more? A spark of valour that lights the very soul. And Superman stretches out thinking, It's working. My mystic aura is growing in intensity, repelling the blackness. And indeed, as he stretches out, surrounded by the golden glow, the black hand, the aliens created shatters and dispels. He flies towards him in panel four, all three of them gesturing with their minds and firing energy at him. One of the aliens saying, The Earthman is free. He resists and attacks. We must stop him, or our dreams of paradise are lost. The glowing blue and crimson blur moves ever faster, streaking toward the hovering globe. There is an awesome moment of impact, and... Cram! Sound effect as Superman punches the bubble. When the smoke of the explosion clears... Yeah, that was incredibly unsatisfying, I don't mind saying. Superman still surrounded by the aura, hovering in midair. It either looks as though the bubble has dissolved, or if it's it's flying off into the distance, it's not very clear (laughs) at all. I'm not entirely chuffed with what Dick Dillon is doing at this point in his career. Anyway, Supes is thinking, The aliens are gone. Evidently, the explosion caused their uncanny powers to backfire, dooming themselves. Well, that's a bit of a stretch. Or Superman killed them. Yes. Not very impressed by that at all. But anyway, there's some good stuff still to come. We arrive at the top of page 23. The caption for the first panel says, After Dr. Fate has regained his magical powers... Yes, that's another narrative leap. Fate is still gesturing and holding his globe in front of him. We can still see the Earth on it. Dr. Fate says, We can't relax yet, Superman. The aliens are gone, but... The effects of their magic linger on. The continents are still converging on each other. Then let's stop them. But that is a task far more difficult than Superman imagines. Now, this is very odd. It appears that Superman is basically standing in some water and trying to push a bit of landmass back into (laughs) position. It's not very clear, but as he's doing this, he's thinking, the aliens' energies are too potent. What a come down. Superman, who could once juggle planets with one hand, can't even manipulate one puny continent. However... Seconds later... Yeah, there's some real narrative patchiness happening towards the end. It's getting very rushed. Dr. Fate is gesturing once again with his magic lightning bolt, and very helpfully he tells us what he's doing. I can conjure up one final chance, Superman. These mystic chains forged from the sorcery of ancient Chaldea will assist you in pulling the continents back to their rightful positions, or all is lost. Tales are told of the labours of Hercules, twelve impossible tasks that only someone more god than man could perform. And we have an image that echoes the splash page more than the cover. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cover, obviously, it looked as though they were caught up in some kind of alien mechanism that was maybe trying to steal the earth or something. But we can see that Superman has attached these chains, it looks like, to North America, and he's pulling North America back into position. Dr. Fate is sort of represented sort of hovering as a giant semi-transparent golden verse in the background who's still gesturing with his lightning bolts and these seem to be striking the chain and assisting Superman in what he's doing. Listeners, if you looked at the panel, you'd be able to glimpse exactly what's happening straight away rather than my mangled description. Anyway, the captioning continues. How much more impossible must this labour be? Surely the gods themselves must gaze down from their lofty domain in awe and admiration. And we arrive on page 24, the final page of the story. What can be said to such a man except... Dr. Fate is holding his golden globe, which is demonstrating that Superman has been successful. And Dr. Fate says... Well done, Superman. The balance is restored. Earth turns in peace once again. But you started to tell me what brought you here. Tell me, how can Dr. Fate serve? At long last, says the Man of Steel, continues in panel 3... I came to inquire if you could make me immune to the effects of magic. Dr. Fate raises his hands almost in supplication here. The glow surrounds them as he says, Difficult, but possible. I am ready to begin. No, hold it. That's what I came for, but I've changed my mind. 
Do you realize if I had been invulnerable to magic, we could never have defeated those aliens and the world would be so much cosmic dust? A nice panel to close. They stand presumably in the desert somewhere, <laughs> looking up at a massive full moon, take mm. a drink, and a nice mm. cosmic sky. Superman gestures at creation's wonderment and says, Somewhere out there is something that knows what must be and strives to make it so. Call it destiny or whatever else. The result is the same. If magic is to be my albatross, I'll live with it. A little humility is good for even a Superman. And a caption rounds out telling us, Next issue, High Flying Adventure with Superman and Hawkman. So it wasn't Hawkman in the last issue. Was it Green <laughs> Arrow in issue 207? I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway, thank goodness that is the, the end. end. Gosh, Willikers. I will admit to a slight couple of points of confusion. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's saying if he had been invulnerable to magic, we would never have defeated the aliens. Yeah, because he couldn't have been charged by Doctor Fate's magic then, if, if magic didn't affect him. Mm. That's what I got from it anyway. Yeah, I suppose. And, but I was sort of, you know, the aliens appear to be using some kind of, when they say a metaphysical attack, is that some kind of magic as well? If he'd been invulnerable to magic, would he be able to just walk straight through whatever the aliens were doing? I don't know. It looks great. It's always nice to see Superman <laughs> and Doctor Fate. Mm. You know, why would the, the first alien almost seem to give Doctor Fate a warning? Was he really giving a warning or was he... I think he might have just been injured and telepathically babbling. The point is just that I, I feel that if the alien saying Earth is... He doesn't sound... I mean, it's very difficult to tell if he's gloating or if it's a warning. It could be construed as a warning. Yes, I think that's, that's what the point. Yes, that's the point. That's the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Satanic cameo. That was funny. The yes. one thing that, that really struck me immediately, though, is Dr. Fate seems to not be surprised, or Kent Nelson, I should say, doesn't seem surprised when the Superman of Earth 1 arrives. No, that's true. He takes it all in his stride. Doesn't think to maybe get hold of a Superman of Earth 2 to come and back them up. <laughs> or indeed any of the GSA who might be handy. Yeah, it would have been nice to have like maybe a shot or two of some other Earth 2 heroes mm-hmm. reacting, but, you know... Saving their own cities. We know what happens in these sort of... St- you know, you can't always cut to other heroes. You, mm-hmm. you, if it's the whole thing is, what's the point of worrying about something that Batman's doing if he just phones Superman to come and help him? We know that's, yeah. you know, underlines nice all the drama. It would be nice having a montage just showing them all dealing with... Yeah. Are the disasters happening in their own areas? Uh-huh. That had been really a good way to deal with that, yeah. Obviously, Dr. Fate must have just thought... All right, it's this guy. It's the Silver Age, Bronze Age Superman. He's powerful enough for everything I need to do here. <laughs> yep. Well, he didn't know he'd been recently depowered. So Yeah. <laughs> I don't have too much else to say on this one, really. It's always nice to see what Dick Dillon draws. It's nice to get a little mm-hmm. tour of the world. The Stonehenge thing is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Doctor Fate versus Venus Flytrap is just joyous. That's what you buy comics for. That's <laughs> Comics don't have enough of that sort of thing now, quite yeah. frankly. Just True. little True. exciting, you know, monster jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Seen as too silly. Well, it's just, you know, you've still, I mean, it all comes back to this thing who are comics written for nowadays. Yeah. If I was 70 years old and reading this, I'd be like, whoa. Yep. I mean, I'm 49 and 11, 12 years old and reading this and thinking, whoa. But, you know, the sort of thing nowadays people would be too worried about making it weighty and significant rather than just cheap mm-hmm. thrills. I do find it fascinating that Superman flies to Earth 2. He literally just flies there. It's like, oh, I'll go to Earth 2. So off he goes, up, up and away, and he's in Earth 2. How? How? How does this happen? Superman passes from one plane of existence just into casually. the next. Just casually. There's no mention of how this works. Well, I guess he must have flown at speed or vibrated. I mean, he certainly, when you see him there, he's, he seems to be looping around and coming at an angle. Mm. No, that's fair. That's true. I mean, a little bit more might have clarified it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a call, well call forwards to what I often talk about in the Crisis and Infinite Earths, where the Flash, Barry Allen, is pointed out as the only person who can just casually travel between the parallel universes. Well, we know, we know that's rubbish for a start. Yes. But yeah, I did, did find it interesting that he just casually flies there. Mm-hmm. When Fate mentioned fighting his old enemy, Mayor, I had to look him up. He was actually a Doctor Fate villain, oh, right. and he did fight him there. It was in More Fun Comics 64. It's his only appearance because he fought him there and he perished there. Oh, wow. So, well, that's good. so, yeah, that is actually a proper Doctor Fate villain cool. and a nice continuity reference. So, yeah. Maybe um, see if I can find an image of him and put it on the socials then. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised there wasn't like an editor's footnote. Yeah. Uh, the boss saying, see more fun comics 64. That would have been good. In the days of Roy Thomas, that definitely would have happened. <laughs> Without the whole story, would be focused on that. Yeah. I want to talk about the covers' relation to the story. You know, mm-hmm. it's unusual that. I mean, the cover's outstanding. Yeah. But the the fact that Superman is using the stylistic designed mechanism rather than the what just looks like chains in the in the, the story. Yeah. The cover image is the second last page of the story with no mention of the aliens at all. 
Yes, that's true. That's quite mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. And Soup's, you know, looks positively pained on the cover, mm. whereas inside, he just looks like he's concentrating. Yeah, but that's Neil Adams versus Dick yeah. Dillon, so, you know. It's definitely much more dramatic. Mm-hmm. And the dragging the contents back using chains had a flashback to that classic Superboy panel, where he's got a whole load of planets that he's towing through space that are all chained up. Sure. And literally when people say if Superman's not that strong, I always like to post that panel. Yeah. <laughs> Saying, well, as yeah. a kid, he could do this. Yeah. So- <laughs> it's one of the, the inconsistencies about mm-hmm. about Superman always, isn't it? Yeah. What he can do and what he can't do. Yeah. You know, we, we did discuss, obviously, a minute ago there about the invulnerability thing and how useful that was. Mm-hmm. It was. I like the fact that the Doctor Fate and Superman genuinely joined forces, literally, uh-huh. here to sort of deal with everything. That was quite good. The whole situation wouldn't have worked well with different heroes. I love the fact that we got to see mm-hmm. Dr. Fate's tower. I love whenever we see Dr. Fate's Always, tower. yes. There's a church near where I live, which has got a tower very similar to that. And I always think about it each time I pass. I always think, oh, we could do We should go and see it and take a selfie. We should. <laughs> we could face through the wall and see what's in there. That'd be good. Mm. Can you actually walk up to it? It's behind a, a fence. All right, okay. Speaking of behind a fence, I think Stonehenge is behind a fence these days. I don't think you can actually visit it. I'm sure that our pal Kenny Smith from the excellent Doctor Who 8th Doctor podcast, Pieces of Eighth, mm-hmm. I'm sure he has visited Stonehenge a few times recently because he's got in-laws oh, really? down in that general direction. Ah. I'm sure he's been. I don't know if he's gone over and felt it up. So to speak. Or anything, but he's he's certainly been there. Okay. So I'll ask him the next time I speak to him. Ooh. And of course you can't think of Stonehenge without thinking of Spinal Tap. Yes. So. <laughs> Stonehenge. Turn it up to 11. Don't get your inches and feet mixed up, folks. That's a lesson for us all there. It was fun to see Dr. Fate's power usage, and again, it's still the lightning bolts magic. We haven't seen the ank appear yet, but he was using pretty much Green Lantern constructs because he had that giant hand coming out. He had the hammer and chisel yeah, come out. that was interesting. Them. But he seemed to be formed out of yellow energy. Yes. So it was very much inside the Green Lantern. That was interesting. That's a good point. Like, I mean, you know, he's gesturing with his lightning bolt and creating them. I mean, he obviously mm-hmm. gestured with the lightning bolt to create the chains or to yeah. bring the chains. That's a good point. And as I always say at this point, in the Golden Age, Dr. Fate was less about mysticism and more about atomic structures and uh, manipulating them. Yeah. Back in the very start of the Golden Age. That's true. Hmm. And also another thing I enjoyed was the fusing of the sand monster. Another lovely little bit of science here. It's like if you apply strong heat to sand, it becomes glass, of course. Yeah. Again, science for kids. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could argue that Dr. Fate gesturing and creating that seawall was a bit more... Mm-hmm. Did he magic it out of nowhere or did he draw it up from the sea bottom and create, you know... The sea? Yeah. Change the sea itself. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like for a story that looks as good as it does and stars yeah. two of my absolute favourites of these, I feel <laughs> like I should have a lot more to say about it, but I don't really. I mean, the aliens, we should maybe talk a little bit about what the aliens were up to. I mean... Yeah, they've existed from before the dawn of time. Have they maybe fought Sylvester McCoy's doctor or something? Or? Well, I just sort of think like, when they, they refer to Earth as being insignificant, but it's perfect for their plans, so it's not <laughs> insignificant. But it's just, it's always the way... Yeah. Perfect cosmic junction. It's the. I mean, that's a bit. You know, could have been. Could it have been any planet? I don't know. But I mean, mm-hmm. it would have been nice if they'd. Have, if there'd been a little bit more about this being on Earth too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because aside from the panel when Soups goes to visit. Yeah. All that's kind of irrelevant in a way. So in some ways, it could well have just been the Superman of Earth two. Yeah. Or it could have been a Superman and Zatanna team up. But one. Yeah. Well, that's exactly leads me to the next point I was yeah. going to make. The very fact that Zatanna is there mm-hmm. obviously emphasizes that first fact that she, that she's on Earth one and yes. Zatanna, her father, uh-huh. was on Earth one. So yes. that's a nice little uh-huh. emphasis on that point, Absolutely. given a couple of um, things that we might be talking about in the future. I'm still worried about that elephant, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, what happens if one of the butterflies dies? Exactly. Can they, can they form the elephant back? Exactly. Can they form back with a gummy leg? I don't yeah. know. Uh, I know. I don't know. Go on, Zatanna, sort Zatanna, it out. I don't know. When we write our DC comic, the How first panel will be Zatanna returning the butterflies back into their proper form of, of an elephant. Yes. After all these years. Yes. <laughs> the magically charged butterflies are and still in existence. It'll be important that that elephant is needed for a reason, mm-hmm. and that's what she'll have to do. Anyway, right, should we see if there's any contemporary correspondence? Yes, let's jump ahead to World's Finest fan mail from World's Finest Comics, issue 211. And the first letter says... Dear Editor, regarding World's Finest 208, in one word, TREMENDOS! Thanks to Dr. Fate... Although the plot wasn't the greatest, it was good. However, the characterisation of Dr. Fate was excellent. He's a strong character and definitely deserves a better fate than he has had of late, I would agree. As a youngster, I was an avid (sighs) comics with an X fan. And now as a father, I read the comics with an X with my children. Mm. 
all three kids rate the Doctor Fate stories, one of your finest in many years. Of course they did, because Doctor Fate got to fight a giant Venus flytrap. <laughs> out and obviously, a giant Venus flytrap. That's got to be unusual. Yes. We didn't really talk about that enough. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they and I hope to see more of Doctor Fate in the future. We would like to know his origin. How about reprinting the first Doctor Fate story? Your Super Spectacular a few months back listed Kent Nelson as an archaeologist. He is portrayed in this issue as a doctor. Mm -hmm. How was this transition made? Why would he perish unless my powers are returned to me soon? This issue has my kids asking these and many more questions. We hope future issues will answer some and hope you can answer the above. To top your Doctor Fate story, you'll have to bring back the Spectre. How about mm -hmm. it? He's too good to cast away. We think your Golden Age story should be origin tales. Present the origins of all your superheroes, Earth 1 and Earth 2. Then pick out good stories from their past efforts. And that message was from Charles Kastner, Compton Lake, New York. Editorial response is... When Dr. Fate was revived, we went back to his origin story and made him an archaeologist. However, author Len Wein recalled that in More Fun Comics 85, he had studied medicine and become an intern. Incidentally, his origin was reprinted in Justice League 95. Hope you got it. That was not the first Fate story, though. In the early tales, he was a mysterious figure without a secret identity whose origin lay somewhere in the mystic past. Since his powers are tied in with this life force, losing one would mean losing the other. And yes, we'll probably reprint most of the origins, though some of the old heroes never had origin tales. Yeah, that's true. Starman and Sandman, just for, for a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's E. Nelson Bridwell who has responded there. Excellent. The second letter says, Dear Editor, the taming of Superman and Doctor Fate in the latest issue of World's Finest resulted in a better-than-usual story, but it left one little technicality wide open. Keeping in mind that Doctor Fate dwells on Earth too, we know there exists a second Superman on his world, as familiar to the people of that planet as our own Superman to us, right? So how come, when the Superman of Earth-1 flies in the hospital window, Doctor Fate greets him by saying, Your unexpected presence may tip the scales to our side. Now, as far as I can tell, it's almost impossible to tell the two supermen apart. They look just alike. So, seeing the Man of Steel, why did the good Doctor mention Soupy's unexpected presence? Wouldn't Doctor F have supposed this man to be the Superman of his world? Yet, he was surprised to see the Man of Steel. So just what has the Superman of Earth 2 been up to that would make Doctor Fate so surprised at his presence? However, if you followed my letter this far, you have to be somebody special. So I'm going to let you off the hook by explaining this discrepancy myself. Okay, good old Doc in his wide range of magical powers was able to tell the two Supis apart, and therefore know this red and blue outfitted character to be from Earth 1. But that still doesn't clear up everything. If the menace of these three aliens was so great, why didn't Dr. Fate enlist the help of Earth 2 Superman as well? Hmm? Could it be you've forgotten the old proverb? Two supermen are better than one. And that's from Scott Gibson, Sterling, Colorado. A couple of those points we made ourselves. Obviously, Dr. Fate's going to know he's a Superman of Earth 1 yeah. straight away. And he's going uh -huh. to know exactly who. Because they've worked together many times at this point. Yes. And I don't think that was really necessary for him to really... Anyway. And I don't think they're identical. They're no. similar looking. Obviously, there's well, obviously, yeah, yeah, because E2 Superman's going to be a bit older. And anyway, right. Editorial response anyway says, You might as well ask why he didn't enlist the aid of the Green Lantern, Starman and other GSA members of Earth 2. They must have been off on a mission somewhere else in the galaxy. Oh yes, the Supermen should probably have different S symbols in their shirts, although this hasn't always been done in the past. Uh -huh. Ah, ENB. Right, we'll have to watch out for that going forward. I think we did notice when we did the 1971 JLA-JSA mm -hmm. team-up that there had been a shift in how the, the S symbols were rendered. I'm sure that'll be clearer going forward. So the final letter. Dear Editor, World's Finest 208 was a vast improvement over the previous few issues in quality. The lead story was just about as good as usual in WF, a good overall plot, but with too many loose ends and little careless errors. Mm -hmm. The improvement was in your choice of second features. Two 1948 tales reprinted in one issue. 1948? I couldn't believe it at first. But I just hope you continue this policy of sticking to Golden Age material instead of reprinting stories that came out less than 10 years ago. That's an excellent point. Yes, definitely. You know, because remember, we had the, the origin of Dead Man reprinted in Brave and Bold the other week. Mm -hmm. That was only three years old at that point. Our correspondent continues. Let's have more reprints like The Robot Man, Ghost Patrol, etc. And preferably before 1950. Mm. The cover by Neil Adams was one of the best I've ever seen on a world's finest comic. Yes. It's truly a masterpiece, we would agree. 
Although the old reprints are great, the art of the 40s can't compare with the new stuff turned out by true artists like Adams. Peril of the Planet Smashers had countless flaws. My first objection is that Superman is overpowerful. On page 4 he inhales a huge cloud of radioactive dust. Yeah, which turned out to be irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely irrelevant. But just, you know, from some Chinese test, apparently, just yeah. floating about. We don't know where, just in the sky. Yeah, because you'd think that they could have tied it into maybe something the aliens were doing <laughs> on maybe both offs would have been through. I don't yeah. know. We'll continue with the letter. Mm-hmm. Page four, he inhales a huge cloud of radioactive dust and holds it in his lungs while he flies to the sun in an instant where he exhales it. Page 23, he moves an entire continent with some chains, even if it were possible. Don't you think it's a bit ridiculous to have a character that powerful? He's almost like a god. Why don't you make him less powerful and more human? Isn't that exactly what they've done in the main title? Yes. Anyway, here are a few more questions. Why did Superman wait so long before going to Dr. Fate to ask for immunity against magic? Also, Superman caused the deaths of the three aliens on page 22. Mm-hmm. Isn't that against his code? Do you know what? I didn't even think about that. I don't think he should have a code like this anyway, but he's supposed to. Thank you for your time. I am not knocking your mags for the sake of having something to complain about. I'm for you all the way, and my criticisms are meant to be constructive. And that's from Frank C. Verso, Lindenhurst, New York. Editorial response says, And we didn't have space to print all your criticisms. Sorry. The reason Superman waited so long was that no writer thought of it sooner. And Soups has accidentally contributed to the deaths of villains in the past. Mm. The point is the aliens were killed when their own powers backfired. Superman didn't deliberately kill them. E. Nelson Bridwell. There we are. Well then. (sighs) Yeah, that was okay. It was not the best story. It was not the worst story. I think there's more fun Doctor Fate team-up stories in the future. Yeah, because there are at least two more Doctor Fate team-up stories that we'll do, aren't there? Mm -hmm. It's one of those ones, it's like... Do you remember when we did the showcase issues with Doctor Fate and our man and I said, long time ago now, listeners... When the first time I read Showcase 56, the story mm-hmm. with Dr. Fate and Ironman versus the Cycle Pirate, the story in my brain that I imagined was a hundred times more yeah. exciting and interesting than mm-hmm. what we actually read. And yes. I kind of feel that this one, you look at that cover mm-hmm. and you think that is just spectacular. Yep. What's going to live, you know, and it conjures up, especially, you know, as, as I keep saying, the distinction between this designed mechanism mm-hmm. versus the chains that, that Kent conjures. Yeah, You know, you imagine some sort of wider epic, maybe on a, on a, on a much more sci-fi, mm-hmm. almost rather than cosmic sort of scale. Mm-hmm. You don't imagine Stonehenge and Venus flytraps looking at that cover. And yeah, there's true. nothing wrong with Stonehenge and Venus flytraps. But I, to me, the the story that my brain conjured up the first time I saw this cover was much more mm-hmm. satisfying and epic and widescreen yeah, rather than the one that we got. Yes. Mm. But bear in mind, this time, this this is a 25-page story, and Dick Dillon was also doing Justice League of America at the time, mm. which again is another chunky book, and I think he was probably doing more than just the two comics at the same time. He was churning out this material so fast. I mean, compare that to these days, where you can't even have the same artist on more than one story arc. Yeah. And they're working digitally, you know, so yeah. they can do a lot of stuff quicker, Yeah, allegedly, but... People expect a lot more detail and stuff, but we basically back then it was all about just tell the story. Tell the story, put enough on the page to be entertaining, tell the story, there are words there as well, mm-hmm. and that's it. Entertain the kids. And it did and it did yeah. that. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid in me was delighted, as I keep saying, with the Venus yeah. flytrap. And it's always cool seeing Dr. Fate. Yeah. Because he, he looks amazing. He always looks amazing. It's always fun to see Superman fighting against natural disasters and all yes, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And we should also remember, Len Weed himself hasn't been doing this very long at this point. No, that's true. Mm-hmm. He's still quite young. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not quite maybe fully got a, a handle on his craft. And I'm, but I'm never going to condemn Len Weed because I loved him dearly. Mm. Yes, Superman and Doctor Fate will return. Indeed. <laughs> right. Well, listeners, what did you think of this story? Why don't you write to us and let us know? You can email us at the two podcast at gmail dot com. Make sure you check out our social media because. As we've alluded to, we'll be putting up some lovely bonus content for you for this episode, and indeed every episode. Yep. On Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast, and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2, and it's the number two for all of our social media. If you're feeling that way inclined, you could go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and write us a positive review. Michael Rosenbaum says on his podcast that apparently that pushes up the charts, whatever that means. Maybe okay. If you get reviews, I don't know. You should go and listen to Talkville, the Smallville Rewatch podcast. It's a lot of fun. Yes, and do check out the socials because there'll be foreign covers, pages of mm. original art, all sorts of stuff for this comic. 
And if you fancy sending us a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com forward slash the Earth 2 podcast and you can leave us a message. We might even play it on the show. Of course we will, unless it's full of swear words. In which case, we'll just play it to ourselves. In case... And tut a lot. In case, in that case, we won't play it in the show. But anyway, <laughs> listeners, we got there. Yes. <laughs> World's finest 208, tick. <laughs> so on that note, I've been Peter. I've been David. Thanks for listening. We'll see you very soon on... The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Solemnly, Doctor Strait. Doctor Strange? That's a bit random. <laughs> God. I think we both need switched off and switched back on again today. So how come when Superman of Earth 1 flies in the hospital window, Dr. Feet... Dr. Feet? Dr. Feet? <laughs> <laughs> when we write our DC comic... <laughs> Dr. Feet versus the evil chiropodist. Until, at last, unable to stretch any farther, it bursts, bending... Bending? Sending Dr. F- <laughs> <laughs> Bending Dr. Fate hurtling Skyrim. <laughs> Outtake a rama at the end of this, please. Please. Sending Dr. Fate Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start this one. I'm going to fart. Okay, cool. Enjoy. Tommy Squeaker. Until at last, unable to stretch any farther, it bursts from David's anus. <laughs> Ah! That's a, an, image for the, <laughs> an image for the socials. Doctor Fate emerging oh, from just, my backside. I've just released, I've just Fate, released yeah. Doctor Fate. That's a new mm. euphemism. <laughs> God. Oh, I, I thought it was going to be full Doctor Fate. It was just the helmet of Naboo there. There we are. <laughs>